0: Hi, I'm Erica Keswin. Welcome to Left to Our Own Devices, a show that explores how to bring our human to work and to life. Because left to our own devices, we're not connecting. My guest this week is Danielle Cantor-Jeweler. Danielle is a partner of NBA sports agency Fame, where she represents current and retired NBA talent. Danielle is a rock star on many levels. In July 2019, she negotiated the largest guaranteed sports contract by a female agent. Danielle has been honored by the Sports Business Journal and was one of JWI's Women to Watch in 2019, which is where we met. Danielle played Division I soccer at the University of Pennsylvania and is now a competitive youth girls soccer coach. She lives in Maryland with her husband and two girls, Jordan and Ella. Danielle, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here.
0: Great. So how are you doing in in quarantine? It's May 7th and we're in quarantine. Are you able to get outside at all with your girls and at least kick the soccer ball around?
1: Oh yes, that we do quite often. Getting outside is all we have to look forward to each day right now. So we spend a lot you know when it's nice out, we spend a ton of time outside. Playing soccer, we played a little field hockey. I set up a little boot camp for my kids where they I put them through a circuit of training, um, and that has been something that we all look forward to every day. Actually, so you know, we're just living the dream here in quarantine.
0: Oh my gosh, my kids would love the uh, the circuit training and making them get out there. I might I might have to copy you on that one. So when you and I met, you shared a story that it was about getting a hundred touches on a soccer ball. And I would love for you to to share that story and the impact that that had on you and your your life and your trajectory.
1: Sure. I love that you remember that. It's amazing. Um, So I don't know that I realized at the time the impact that that would ultimately have on me or even had on me at the time. I was trying to, you know, I do a lot of self-reflecting and introspection and I think back because I know that I am this uber competitive person, but I realized I'm really the most competitive with myself. I'm not competitive, you know, with members of a team. I, I really don't pay so much attention to the competition, although I, preparation is everything with me. So I, I prepare for the competition, no matter who the competition may be and what aspect of that word. But I'm uber competitive with myself. I hold myself to extremely high standards and I'm constantly thinking how I can be better. And I wonder, did I come out of the womb that way? I think there's so much to, you know, the whole nurture versus nature thing and I'm I'm always thinking about that and I'm asking questions of my parents and of people who knew me when I was young, of my soccer coaches when I was growing up because I was always just self-motivated and Um, very, very competitive with myself. And so I when I think back, I remember I was very young, um, maybe seven, eight, nine years old. And we would go, my my brother is uh, just two years older than me. So we were very close in age, had a lot of the same friends. And as long as I can remember, I always wanted to do what he was doing. And then I always wanted to take it up a notch. And that's just who I was. It was, you know, in my DNA. So he would juggle a soccer ball and he was playing on a select travel soccer team. And I was just on the cusp of being ready for, for select. I was playing, you know, whatever rec league soccer at the time. And they had his travel team had to get a certain number of juggles, touches on a soccer ball by each practice. So I'd see him go outside and he'd practice a little and, you know, then take a break So I'd watch him and I'd think, gosh, I can do more than him. I know I can. And so every day when he wasn't looking, I would go outside and practice my touches and not say anything and not tell anyone. And then I remember the day when finally I came out with him and I just started juggling and I got to like a hundred touches and I was really young. So, um, you know, it wasn't that common for some, you know, someone that age to have that much control of the ball, which is why they teach you to juggle. And just the feeling of accomplishment, the feeling of attaining something I didn't know if if it was attainable or not. And I realized it was just because I was obsessed with reaching that benchmark and I was obsessed with practice. And I realized that I could control, I needed to, at a young age, I think I didn't know then, but what it taught me was the things I could control. If I focused on the controllables, I would get better. And I would kind of not focus on what other people around me were doing, how many touches they were getting, but I would focus on what I could do. And that was such an important lesson at such a young age that I, I don't, you know, I obviously didn't realize the magnitude of it then, but looking back on it now, that's the first story. Cause I think to myself all the time, what, what was like the first time I can remember being that obsessive, high achiever that I am now. What, what, what caused it? Was there one event that caused it? I don't know what it was, but that was kind of the first one I remember. And then there's a story later on in soccer where I had kind of my biggest challenge, um, triumph, downfall, whatever. It was you know a bad situation and I realize now you know looking back on it that that's probably where I had the most growth in my entire life was when I went through something really difficult in sport. And it what it did for me mentally um and the mental toughness I have today comes a lot from looking back on on you know some of the harder experiences that I had to push through
0: well and i I love that, even sitting here in quarantine, I've been trying to tell my kids there's so many unknowns, things that we can't control, and the more that we can say, but these are the things that I can control. Um, is such a, an, an amazing lesson, and I, I'm excited for people to hear that when they when they listen to the to the podcast. Um, you know, one of the themes of the podcast is about the importance of honoring relationships, and that's honoring relationships with your colleagues, with your boss, with your clients. You can think about your NBA players, your family, your friends, and and yourself. And one of the things that is really excited me about talking to you, and you got started to, to touch on it a bit, is how how you learned how to rely on yourself and, and that intense preparation and practice. I mean, many people, especially women, we put ourselves last on the list and don't invest in ourselves. So how did, how did you figure that out?
1: That's a great question. And I don't, I love the way you phrase that actually, because I think one of my biggest strengths Um, in business and in life is my ability to connect on a very deep level with people. And for me in my industry, um, you know, male dominated field for sure at the team level, dealing with the players, I only represent male NBA players um, and other agents. I'm, I'm surrounded by men all the time. And for me, I believe that my ability as a woman to connect on such a deep and emotional level with an individual is one of my biggest strengths. And I love how you, how you kind of were touching on the importance of relationships and investing in relationships, which has been, it, for me, that's all I have. Like that's the, the biggest value I can add 20 years in the same industry of, of, re- of representing professional athletes. I believe the biggest value I add to a new athlete I may sign is my relationships with key decision makers in our industry. And I've invested in those and maintained those over long periods of time, because I actually care about the people with whom I'm dealing and I'm dealing with the same people time and time again. Um, But what you but what is so interesting where you took that question and said, you know, it's you relying on relationships, but but the relationship with yourself is so important and how you tap into that um, before you can really, Um, work on those relationships with others, with other humans in work and family and everything else. And I haven't thought as much about that. I think you're right. I think sometimes we as women put everyone else before ourselves and I'm certainly guilty of that. Um, But what I think for me to bring the two together, I think that I realized my biggest strength at a young age, at a young age was this uber competitive, high drive, you know spirit that i have and how to channel that into what i do whether it was schoolwork whether it was playing sports whether it was my relationships with friends and family and that what, no matter what and you can ask anyone who knows me once i decide to do something whatever it is you are getting like 3000% it's it's like whoa or nothing at all i don't know how to do something halfway and so, if I'm, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not going to give it a gazillion trillion percent, then I'm not going to do it at all. And that's for me. That's how. That's what fuels me, and that's what drives me. And um, in relation, in terms of relationships with others, for me, I have this like crazy ability to remember things about people. And it was a little annoying at times. I, I didn't realize that I could use it you know, to, to, to my benefit. And I could, and I realized it was a strength, but I remember people's birthday. I went to kindergarten with, I'm like, I wake up and I see the date. I'm like, why do I need to know this person's birthday? I went to kindergarten, with. literally everyone in my kindergarten class, I know their birthday and all the way through life. So just
0: in your head, do you keep note, the notes on, on different people or literally in your head. You just remember these days.
1: They're in my head, and I'll tell you when Facebook came out. I'm not on Facebook. Never was on Facebook. Never been on it day in my life. But I got a little upset because I said they're cheating. Now everyone knows everyone's birthdays, and I, it doesn't mean as much when I someone a happy birthday because I I really know I remember. So the point is, I my memory is and be, but it's because I care really. So I'm and so I I take that information and I put it in this mental you know rolodex I have and. You know, I remember pe- the people I'm dealing with now, general managers, team owners. I know their kids, their kids' names, some of their kids' birthdays. And so that's that just shows, hey, I care about you as a person. So when I'm talking to them and asking about how how their kids are by name, And I don't see other people doing that, but I'm, you know, we're, we're, we sort of have this great rapport and a dialogue going because we're actually connecting on some shared interest or, you know, that our values are aligned, whatever it is before I'm ever getting into anything business related. And, you know, maybe that that's just who I am, honestly, but, but back to the relationship with myself, I, I I don't know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly very, very hard on myself. I think all of us, especially right now in quarantine are guilty of that. Um, I, every single night, by the time I get in bed, I'm thinking I could have done this better and I could have done that better. And we all need to learn to, to give ourselves a break a little bit, to cut ourselves in slack. But at the same time, cause I always say to my husband, like, maybe I, I need to do this better. I'm not doing this one. Well. He's like, that's what makes you who you are. If you, if I didn't, it's annoying, but if I didn't hear you saying these things to me every night, like I need to be better at this, then you wouldn't be you and you wouldn't be my achiever and, and everything else you are. That's just who you are. So just accept it.
0: (laughs) Accept it and celebrate it. You know, it's interesting. One of the, one of the ways I, I, I think about keeping myself and others on track with, where to focus my energies and relationships is asking yourself, does your calendar reflect your values? And, you know, I was thinking when you were speaking, either you're going to go 110% or not at all. You're going to have to be really disciplined to what you say yes to, and also what you say no to and, and not having the the guilt around it. The The second thing I would say is to, to your point about getting to know your client's from a business standpoint, and, and as people, I wanted to read this quote that I found that um, Sam Presty, the Oklahoma uh, Thunder general manager said about you and your role as an agent, which is Danielle does an excellent job of understanding contextually a lot about not only the opportunities for her players, but what suits them as people. And what I love about that and what this quote says to me you know i wrote this book called bring your human to work and the subtitle was that bringing your human to work is good for people and good for business and so the more you get to know someone it's helpful to them as a human and on and on the job so are you able to share maybe a story or example where one of your relationship with one of your players because you knew them as, as a human, how that helped both your and their business outcome, maybe in a deal or a contract or, or something.
1: Yeah. I mean, there, there are so many. Um, I think this is sort of my style of how, you know, and when I'm recruiting new players, I actually, this is what I explain. I say my, this is my style. Oftentimes agents um, my partner with whom I have the utmost respect, David Falk, one of you know the best agents of all time. If any of you are watching um, The Last Dance right now, you've seen David Falk quite a bit, represented Michael Jordan, the best of the best in the agent business. And i learned almost everything I know from him. He has a different style than I do when it comes to negotiating and when it comes to advising our clients. And he says to me repeatedly time and time again, Danielle, our clients are kids. They're young. They don't know what's best for themselves in business. It's our role as agents to tell them or show them what is best. And he and I butt heads on this time and time again because I disagree. And I say respectfully, I hear you. And now you've been doing this for 47 years. So for sure you've earned the right to tell them what they need to do. But I believe, and as the professional athlete, has evolved and as people have evolved with the digital age and access to information and our business has evolved quite a bit because of that, um, these athletes, these professional athletes want to you know take control of their future and of, of their career and on and off the court. And so I believe the role of, t- of the current athlete agent is more to navigate the space for them, whether it's in free agency and figuring out what team is the best fit and what opportunity will be best for their future, um, whether it's deciding what um, you know, cause to connect to and, and kind of social impact work to get involved with, whatever it is, I everything about what I do in business, I have this unwavering commitment to understanding each of my clients in a holistic way as an individual. That is, for me, the most important and best part of my job. And so I tell my partner, I believe it's our role to present the client with every possible bit of information based on our years of experience and track record, based on our relationships with the decision makers who are going to be presenting them with these potential opportunities, based on, you know, everything we have to present them with Every information, every bit of information, all possible variables, all every aspect it could impact of their lives, everything. And, and knowing the individual is the most important thing when doing that. And then I think you, you've presented all the information and it's up to the, it's up to the athlete to, to make the decision and hold himself accountable. And, and so that's sort of my philosophical approach to my role as an agent. So I think that my clients today would tell you, and they have many stories, um, where because I, I really understood the individual so well, the way I presented all of that information and the information I went above and beyond to, to get, get for, for them, them right. Right. was anticipating what they would want to know and want to hear as they approached whatever this decision was. And you know, oftentimes my client, I had a client say to me during quarantine a few weeks ago because I've spent so much time. Um, working on this big project now with this client was all about getting his foundation up and running and very unique to him and who he is and what's important to him. And I present all the information and he said, well, you know me so well. I trust you. Everything like this that you've presented to me has been just so right on, so on point for, for what I would want. I'm going to go with whatever you think. Wow.
0: Oh, I have goosebumps. I I an
1: amazing... Uh, It's, listen, it's, it's a great compliment, but, and of course that's what, what I would want, but I still want him to feel feel like he is part of the process and he is making the decisions. Um, But of course, you know, there's nothing more satisfying than knowing you're truly making an impact that way because you've considered the individual. right?
0: Because you're thinking about it holistically. And I'm sure, you know, you've had clients, you know, maybe they've taken deals for less money, but because it's a better fit for other maybe cultural reasons, and so I think you you by really honoring again it goes back to that what I said initially that you know the ability to honor relationships with you know yourself, but then the players and all of the different stakeholders gets you to that point where they're going to say to you, "I I trust you." So I I love that. Um, So you brought up the last dance. And I will say that, that, you know, being in quarantine and, and not having sports, I didn't realize for us as a family, the impact that that would have so much of our life is about sports and sitting together and watching sports. So I think that's been one of the as an aside, you know, speaking to a sports person, one of the hardest parts about quarantine for our family, like if they had figured out how to Keep the NBA going or the the, the final four I, quarantine would have been much easier. So, one of my new one of my new rituals has been every Sunday we watch my son and I, who's 15, we watch The Last Dance, and I'm going to be so sad when it's when it's over. And I happen to be writing a new book about rituals and how they give us this sense of psychological safety and sense of belonging and connection. And so do you have any rituals, personally, professionally, that that you'd be open to
1: sharing? We could talk about this forever. I think that uh, almost all athletes um, are superstitious to some extent. And I'd love to know what you think about the difference between rituals and superstitions. Mm -hmm. And is there one? But yes, I am an extremely superstitious person and have many rituals um, that, that... probably go way back to my days of playing soccer. Um, but, it, and I don't know, you know, now I don't know if I would call them superstitions or just routine and ritual. Um, it For me, it's like how you wake up in the morning. <clears throat> I've also read, a, I'm, you know, an avid reader about these kinds of things. I read your book. Anyone out there who's listening and hasn't, you, you need to read it now, um, bring your human to work. But I just, am. I'm, I love these things. And anything you read about, um, successful individuals, however you measure success, which is a whole separate topic, but um, high achieving people, um, you find that from an early age they have a set routine and rituals just to to set your mind for and your daily intentions to be to to be more mindful of what you want to accomplish in a given day, a given hour, whatever it is. And so, waking up in the morning, my kids are young; they're nine and seven right now, two girls, and. They wake up every morning, make their beds themselves. They've been doing that for a while, and we still do that in quarantine. I think it's so important. And I recently read an article that people who wake up in the morning and make their bed and have their same routine are are sort of high achieving people.
0: Yeah, it sets you up for a certain mindset for the day.
1: Exactly, and then you know, I we're we're now you know. practicing mindfulness a little bit more than we used to. And so that's a newer thing I've adopted in my life, probably in the last two years, um, is just taking a moment every day to set my daily intentions. And it's m- even more important now than ever before. And I realize there's this whole thing of mindfulness in the last several years, uh, maybe the last decade, it's become, you know, more of a, a fad, if you will, but it's always been around and mindfulness in that term has always been around, but I think back to my early days um, as a, as a soccer player, and even, you know, wanting to always, you know, overachieve and in school and get the best grades I could get. And I did, I did that then I did visualization techniques and mindfulness. They just weren't called that. Right, right, right. (laughs) And before every soccer game, I would always close my eyes breathe in for four counts and breathe out for four counts. And I would have this whole visualization where I would see, I played goalie. I was a goalkeeper and I would see their best player. Usually I scouted their team, no matter what kind of game it was. I always knew the players on the other team. I was kind of crazy that way from a young age. And I would visualize certain players coming down and taking a shot on me and what it looked like and me making a save before every game. And, I, I probably thought it was crazy then. And, and let me tell you something else. My teammates definitely thought it was crazy. <laughs> They're like, Oh, she's doing her thing again leave her alone. But now, you know, if you look back on it, that's what it was. It's what people now call visual visualization techniques, mindfulness, you know, setting your daily intentions. I was setting, you know, my intentions, very specific goals for each game. And I think you can carry that kind of stuff with you throughout life. And, you know, adjust them to whatever the circumstances and situations are.
0: Well I will say that you know we could have a whole separate podcast on on rituals and the difference with superstition but one of the things about rituals is that when when you're asking yourself is this a ritual whether it's at work or at home for yourself personally it would feel so weird if it went away. And so if there was a day or a week that went by when when you guys didn't make your beds in the house you're thinking what's, what's going on here. And that's when you know that something really is, is a ritual. Or if we have taco Tuesday, every Tuesday, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're serving chicken. My kids would be like, well, what, what's going on? And so those are some of the ways that I think about, about rituals because they do keep you feeling connected and safe. And I, as I've been talking to a lot of people during quarantine, if you have rituals with your family or with your team at work, to the extent that you can keep those rituals going during this uncertain time, it's, it's having a huge impact on, because people are scared right now and, and, and don't feel safe. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, those mindfulness techniques and in my new book, there will be studies that I'm going to share that show that that impacts performance
1: Absolutely. Um, doing I have client- a lot to say about that from my clients' perspectives over the last 20 years, too, because talking to different um, NBA athletes over the years, they, they were, you know, really into talking about that kind of stuff and how mindfulness has evolved and how different rituals have come into play um as as these things have evolved and as studies have come out and information what's really interesting is Phil jackson you've seen him yeah. in the last dance too was i remember when my clients who have played for him in, in the clients i have played for him more when he was a lakers coach because i wasn't in the business just yet when he was coaching the bulls um but they would always tell me crazy stories about how he would make them do yoga and mindfulness and this was before yoga was what it is now right. and and everyone was saying it's the weirdest thing and we take our shoes and socks off and you know we do and and then we meditate and we put our hands together and they're like but it works it's the coolest thing and they're all talking about how it changed their lives and i'm telling you these are you know clients that i had who One is completely different from the next. So it was, you know, it worked for everyone.
0: Right, really, really an equalizer. And there's a lot of research now. And I'm sure, like you said, your family's doing more mindfulness. My kids are trying to do more mindfulness. So I think that's that's a real real positive that this is becoming more, more normalized and people are, are open to it. And it's not this just touchy feely thing. I mean, all these huge seven foot basketball players are doing it. We can all, right. we can all give it a shot. Absolutely. Um, so I have one last question before we get into just some fun light lightning round questions. And it's again, been amazing to talk to you about your role as an agent and as an athlete yourself and then as a coach and as a mom and, and all of these different things. As a final question, I, I would love to know, you know, what do you do as a person that makes you feel
1: most like you? I love that question. I don't know if I have like a quick answer, but I love that question um, because that's the question I always ask my clients is, you know, I, I started watching Michelle Obama's um, show on documentary on Netflix last night of on becoming and. I can connect that right away, it's so fascinating to me, connect that right away to the most recent episode of The Last Dance. Michael Jordan's laying in the hotel room and he's explaining like, I gotta stay in this hotel room right now because the second I walk out of this room and then they show you what it's like and people often, the general public often doesn't think about what their lives are like as a public figure. And then Michelle Obama was talking about that last night, like for the first time in eight years, I can be myself. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? And I always talk to my clients about how now, you know, I got in this business before social media existed. And with social media now, and this is true for everyone celebrities, influencers, public figures me, you, anyone alike, who's, who's, you know, if you're involved in social media, you're so focused on putting a certain image of yourself out there on social media to try to accomplish something. Kids, teens are putting images out there on social media that may not be the authentic person they really are. And there's, you know, there are arguments all over the place in terms of how you have to present yourself a certain way for marketability and the optics of things and there're certain things you have to do to create your brand if you're trying to accomplish something but i always tell my clients whatever you're going to put out on social media must be authentically you and i don't think there are a lot of people who really stay true to that so then i ask them well what is it that you do that makes you you when no one's looking when when you're home alone just you, what do you do? And you know, how few of them can actually give me a real answer. It's a really hard question. So when people ask me, I, I love that question, but uh, you know, I am who I am. So I am who I am. You, you know what you're going to get. Some people don't like me because I just say it how it is all the time. Um, and I'm pretty real. I'm pretty straightforward, especially in my personal relationships. I probably have a little bit more of a filter in my business relationships. Um, and so when I'm behind closed doors and it's just me, I'm the same crazy high achieving person because like I said earlier, I'm so competitive with myself. Like when I get off this podcast right now, I'm gonna get on the floor and do push-ups because my sister challenged me today. I'm very, very close with my much younger sister and she's my inspiration in life. And she sent me a text this morning saying the challenge for today, I have to read it to you because it's really pretty. How old is she? She's um 29. She's, she was the oopsie baby in our family. I was a teenager when she was born and we are super, super close. I could talk about her forever. Cause she's the most amazing human being. She lives in the United Kingdom. She's in London right now. So she sent me this text this morning, challenge for the day, 300 push-ups, 300 squats, 300 sit-ups, 100 burpees, anytime throughout the day. You in? That's what she sent me. So when I'm alone today and no one's watching, that's when I'm knocking out those, those things because that's really what make like that. I love it. I'll do it and I'll I'll be like gritty on the floor and no one will be watching. And it's not for anyone but me because that's what, then when I'm done with that, I can come right back to work and I'll be able to be more productive. I, I
0: again, I, I have goosebumps right now because this we've gone full circle. I mean, that is when you feel the most like you just when you started talking in the very beginning about the hundred touches and making sure that you are setting aside time each day for you. And, and I really admire you for that. And I, I think so many people listening to this need to need to hear it because we need to make time for ourselves so that we can then be there for everyone else in our lives. So I love that. I will say that from a challenge perspective, that is a lot of push-ups. I would have said- that- That's
1: what I said to my sister, but she, she was right. When you spread it out throughout the day, you only have to do 10 or 20 at a time because right. you have a lot of hours to get it done. Right,
0: right. Oh my God, I love it. All right, well, you'll have to text me later. And, uh, and well, I have no doubt getting to know you more today that, that you've achieved it. So just to end, here are some quick, fun, lightning round questions. Um, you know- just to get to know you even a little better, midnight or six a m which would you say six a m for sure, I know I could have probably answered that for you, same with me um guilty pleasure, sweet or savory uh savory for sure <laughs> diet Coke or kombucha neither is that an option that that's an option what what would be what would be your go to
1: I mean, I only drink water or i'll have a matcha green tea once in a while that's it Ugh, I need to drink more water. Uh, what is the last show you binged
0: on Netflix?
1: Um, uh, it's all documentaries, whatever the most recent doc. I'm like obsessed with these docu-series and documentaries right now. I was just watching the um, Juventus uh, football club doc on Netflix. And I actually admit I stayed up till 2.30 in the morning <laughs> binging.
0: Oh, I bet my kid, I'm going to watch that. I bet my kids would like it too. And finally, what is the first thing you'll do when you get out of quarantine?
1: Oh, Wow. Really, ooh! I mean, I don't want to say go to the gym because that would be cliche. But um, no,
0: look, you <laughs> might realize go pro- to the gym, that probably
1: is the truth. Okay, um, it has it would have to be see- hug my fa- see my family, my parents, my siblings for sure. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Well, thank well what about you? Can I ask you that? Question? Yeah,
0: what is going to be the first thing I do? Um, me too. I mean, I. I want to have another family over for dinner, and be in the house, and and it really shifts. You know, people were talking about you know when when do you think you're going to go on vacation or travel? That is the that is not on my mind at all right now. I cannot wait to just connect with people. I mean, this is that part's been very hard for me. I'm an extrovert. I yesterday I went out, um, five of us drove to see a friend whose birthday was yesterday. We, and we blasted the music in the car and we marched into her driveway with these big signs and surprised her. And we went on a socially distant walk. I, I felt like I was on a jail break. I had, you know, as we know, our, when we connect with other humans, our oxytocin goes up and our stress goes down. I was on such a high and it's really carried me through. So I, I agree with you. And, and my hope is that you know the importance of of what you and I clearly both believe and have in common this this focus on the importance of relationships in our lives i hope that more people come to understand that and invest in that both in their personal lives and in business because it is good for us as people and it's and it's good for business and it and it's good for
1: the world so absolutely thank
0: you so much for for being here and talking about all of this. I, I
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. I could go on for hours. I feel like we have to have these side podcasts now because I want to talk about the rituals. I, there are so many subjects that we could get into that I we touched have... on and we could go on forever. So thank you for having me. Be
0: safe. And I want to let you go so you can start doing your 300 push-ups.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank
0: you. All right. Take care. Thank you for tuning in this week to Left to Our Own Devices. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you want to receive my monthly newsletter, text the word human to 66866, or you can connect with me by email at Erica at SpaghettiProject.com. Stay safe, stay connected, and I'll see you next time.